Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. As you know, I love supporting local, especially local coffee roasters. And... Manitoba is so fortunate to have so many talented coffee roasters. And what I like about each one is that they provide something different. Whether it's the type of roast that they provide, whether it's the packaging, whether it's the countries, whether it's a single origin coffee or it's a blend. But what I really enjoy is the creativity that goes into the coffee business, especially the names of the coffees. I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I'm looking at buying a bottle of wine, I'm sometimes tempted to buy it just because of the label, just because of the name. And it's the creativity that really makes me smile. And it's like, you know what? that looks like a fun bottle of wine, or that looks like a really great coffee. And I don't know if it's going to taste good. Mind you, I've never really run into a bad coffee, but you know, let's not talk about decaf. (laughs) But sometimes the label, the way it's described, will tell me what I can expect. And someone who is so creative, which is not surprising because he's also an author, and a musician, and I want to call him a renaissance man, someone who dabbles in a little bit of everything, in writing, in music, in creativity. My guest today is Robert Young, who embodies everything that I just mentioned, the creativity. He's a published author, four books. He's also a musician. He's created his line of coffee, and he also has experience working with crystals through his business with his wife, Lisa, Radiance Gifts. Please help me welcome Robert. Hey, Robert. So glad to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's been a while because I know that you've been extremely busy with the coffee business. I don't know how you do it, honestly, because every time I get an email from you, it's like, oh, we've got a, another coffee. And I'm like, where do you find the time to do it? <laughs> 
So you know what, maybe let's start with that. Let's talk about how did you get into the coffee business? I just looked at my wife, Lisa, one day and said, I think I'm going to start a coffee company. <laughs> but no, Come I, on, I, it wasn't that simple. <laughs> I needed an excuse to not write my next book because I wasn't ready to do it yet. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So writer's block in a sense. Yeah. I've always drank a lot of coffee. I love coffee. And I drank so much that Lisa was always looking for the best deal. And sometimes she would bring home some real... Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> so I figured I'd start my own company and I can, you know, skim off some beans for my own use every once in a while. And yeah, just several things that made me decide to do it and to do this type of concept as a writer. I've always got a cup of coffee in my hand. It's part of my toolbox. I have some uh, friends who are musicians and especially during COVID when there was really nothing for them to do, they were doing a lot of writing as well and just at home drinking coffee and that's, you know, part of it. But also I had left Winnipeg in 1999 um, after a family tragedy. I was down south for about 15 years and I would get homesick. And I went online one day and I bought a whole bunch of Harlequin and Streetheart and April Wine CDs and had them sent to me in Texas. And when I got homesick, I would get a cup of coffee and I would put those CDs on. And when I was back in Winnipeg, Lisa and I went to a concert in Brandon where Harlequin was playing. And I hadn't seen George and those guys for 20 years. And they sound exactly the same as they did during the high school days. And there's mothers and daughters dancing and singing songs together on the dance floor. And it was just all of this stuff together was part of this whole process. I've had people come up to me with, with one of the coffees that they've bought when we, when we did have the store. I remember one woman grabbing a, uh, a bag of the Pumps coffee with the Queen. And she said, my husband and I used to travel all over the city to see these guys at all the bars. And she bought him some for Christmas. And during those times when, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, you still have hopes and dreams. And then life hits you as you get older. You'd like to go back to that time period and kind of forget what's going on. And so you can put on a, a song or read a book. or And if I can pair that with a cup of coffee, that's what it's all about. I'm doing my best to try to keep the music and the memories alive, if, just to sit quietly and reflect. I love that. And I love that you took your love of both writing and music and turned it into your company, Writers and Rockers. And I love that you focus on the, the different genres. So for instance, you have a line of coffees that are part of the literary. So like chapter one, yeah. and uh, one of my favorites actually is uh, Tiffany's Breakfast. <laughs> I love the creativity because in terms of the design, is that something that you also do yourself or do you get someone to do that for you? I do most of it myself. Okay. I've got a background in graphic design. Well, there you go. So writer, musician, graphic artist, coffee master, you know, what can't you do? <laughs> but, but a lot of the, the, the label ideas, song titles are not copywritten. So you could, I could call a coffee whatever I wanted. But I would never, as an artist, as an author, I would never want to take advantage of, of somebody's work. So I will not do anything unless I have their approval and blessing. So when I'm doing a coffee for somebody, I'll send them four or five samples to try out to make sure that they, they like that particular coffee. And then we'll work together on the label. 
Nothing gets done until they approve of it. Then they get royalties off each bag of coffee. Okay. And that makes sense because, of course, you don't want to offend anyone. But on the flip side, though, when you first started featuring the different rock artists, you know, so the uh, QCK and um, mm-hmm. what's another one that one of my favorites is um, Sweet Things in Life. Arlequin, yeah. Yeah, yeah Arlequin, absolutely. And I'm a huge fan as well. But you had mentioned, uh, I think when we were in Radiance one day and, and uh, you were talking about how you had a number of, I don't know if you want to call them rock stars, but musicians contacting you to say, hey, I want my own coffee. Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of exploded, didn't it? I think right now for, I call them sampling kits out all through the States. So we'll see. I mean, two of my biggest markets are Los Angeles and Nashville. It makes sense for Nashville, but LA, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that that would be a huge market. It's called the Sunset Strip. Oh, okay. Where there's five or six different clubs where all of these 80s glam bands started. Rat, Poison, uh, LA Guns, uh, Van Halen started there. Because we were at the Grammys, uh, not this last one, the, the one before that, and a couple of other things that we've done there, there was a benefit dinner for, his name's Jeff uh, Skunk Baxter. He played with the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan. You know, the classic guitar riff from uh, China Grove? That's him. And really? they were they were doing a benefit for him. One of the musicians that I'm working with was going to that benefit and knew the guys organizing it and said, hey, why don't we see if we can get writers and rockers to send us some coffee? It was a charity dinner and the money was going to the uh, Shriners Club, Shriners Hospital. So uh, it's exploding and are not exploding, but it's it, the word is traveling. And uh, a lot of these musicians, they don't drink anymore. They understand that they've got to be in pretty good shape in order to keep going at 60, 70, 80 years old. And so they're, they're not into that lifestyle anymore. They're, they're homebodies and they sit there and drink coffee. You know what? And why not drink really good coffee and getting it from you? And even better when you can, they can drink coffee with the label that has their name on it. And I'm getting to talk to and hang out with my idols from the 80s, <laughs> my guitar idols. <laughs> I mean, these are guys oh that I would just, you know. <laughs> so. You know, I can just imagine, you know, being like the fanboy. It's like, oh my God, these are my idols, like you said. And screaming like a 12 year old girl at a Backstreet Boys concert. <laughs> <laughs> now I have that image in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But along the way, it is a lot of work roasting and, you know, doing all the production of the coffee and so on. But it's also a lot of fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm having the best time yeah. of my life. Like I said, I get to, to talk to, you know, some of my musical idols or, or authors. And yeah, it's just, uh, I'm having a great time. My question for you is, do you have a favorite? I almost want to say you probably don't just because when you ask a parent, you know, who's your favorite child? You can't say which one because everybody, everybody has, every child has a little bit of something. So, but even if there is a favorite, the parent will usually not say which one it is. But if you could say which one would be your favorite? Probably Todd Kearns, damn it. Okay. And for some reason, I I thought you were going to say that just because I know that you have a special relationship with Todd. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, that's just developed over working together with this. Um, and a lot of it, his wife handles. Uh, so the, the group of us, we've, we've become friends. 
I don't see him because he's he's got to be one of the busiest guys in the industry. He's always got something on the go, but uh, he promotes it. Uh, he drinks it. We've done a couple of charitable events together uh, with the coffee. We're doing another one in Winnipeg in the next little while. And anytime I ask him if you want to participate, yeah, let's do it. So, Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it speaks to the connection that you've made with him and, and not just about coffee. It's about it's about you, you know, the uh, the passion that you put into it and the relationship that you, you've built with all of these musicians and writers and people that are involved in the business. And, and it's not just a business for you. It's, it's, it's a passion that you're following and, and you love it. I mean, you love coffee, you love talking to people and you are invested in making sure that first of all, the coffee is the best coffee for them, but also that you're representing them in the best possible way. And it shows in the care and the detail that you put into absolutely everything that you do. And I really admire that. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, you're uh, welcome. I, I love doing what I'm doing. Now, does Lisa help you with the coffee or she mm-hmm. supports you? And yeah. 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 She, uh, she does what she can, but she's got her own, you know, Radiance is still, even though the store is closed, the online business is still, still running. Uh, and uh, she's still busy with deliveries and filling orders and still talks to people every day. Oh, that's great. And I do understand why you had to close Radiance Gifts. I mean, you know, the COVID did a number for a lot of people. But in terms of changing direction, I think I want to say that you came to a decision together that perhaps it was time to, you know, close the the storefront and free up some of that time. Because I remember before you closed the store, you were talking about that, you know, between Radiance and the coffee and trying to almost please everybody in a sense, you know, the customers that were coming in and so on, it got to be too much. And it would probably was not the best decision, but probably the the right decision to move it online. I had helped her develop the online presence uh, about five years ago. It ramped up just at the right time when COVID hit. So that proved that the business was viable online. The lease was coming up and they wanted uh, wanted us to renew for another five years. And it was, can we keep doing this for five years? And it was no, it was, it was just her and I, and business was, was, was great, but we didn't have employees. We weren't prepared to hire employees. Safety was an issue. Shoplifting was, was getting kind of out of hand. It got to a point where I couldn't leave her alone in the store for any period of time. So it was just really hard to do everything and have that kind of an anchor weighing us down. So it was a decision we made and we're very happy with it. Oh, I'm glad. And it frees up time as well because, you know, it gives you that quality time together that maybe you were catching it in sort of bits and spurts before. And and now that you have the freedom so you can concentrate full, fully on the coffee and you know, in the writing, of course, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then Lisa can enjoy what she's doing versus thinking that it's a chore. Because when you have to do something, it's not quite the same as wanting to do it. And so that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. We're enjoying this immensely. Good. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Now let's talk about your career as an author. Now you've written four books. So the first book was Three Days with Mary. Now, what was the purpose of that book? Like, what's what's the storyline behind that one? How long do you have? 
Uh, <laughs> Cole's notes. <laughs> uh, let me see where to start. I mentioned previously that I had uh, left Winnipeg in 1999. Prior to that, I was involved in politics and other businesses, marketing. So I'd always written. I'd written political speeches. I'd written business papers, marketing materials. When I decided to, to leave, I, w- I went down south. And uh, a friend of mine had left Canada years previous and started an aviation company. And uh, he had always called me for business advice. And uh, I told him I wanted to, to get out of Winnipeg for a while. And uh, he invited me to come down there for a couple of months. And it was a little town in Arkansas on the Mississippi River across from Greenville, Mississippi. And uh, one day I was just driving around and I saw this old abandoned, I call it a plantation mansion. And uh, I pulled into the driveway and I, I walked around the house and you could tell it was built, you know, mid 1800s. Uh, nobody had lived there for years and the back door was open. So I went in and I was there uh, for probably two and a half hours. And this, this story hit me when I was in that house. And, um, three months later, I bought the house <laughs> really, and started renovating and, uh, started to write this story. And it, it's about a Canadian hockey player who's playing for the professional team in Dallas, uh, who's made some mistakes in his life and is being traded to Florida. And in order to go from Dallas to Florida, you have to drive through Mississippi. And there's a town called Vicksburg, Mississippi, which I actually went to. And I saw this other house there that I toured with my parents when I came to visit. And I fell in love with it. And it was a, it's a bed and breakfast. It's called Duff Green Mansion. And that time period fascinated me. And these homes fascinated me. And I asked the owner of that house if I could use their house as the backdrop for this book that I wanted to write. And they said, sure, but you need to move in so you can get a feeling for the house. So they let me stay there for a week. And and I wrote three days with Mary. The house is haunted, but it's very peaceful. It was built just before the Civil War as a wedding gift for this couple. Vicksburg was the site of one of the bloodiest battles in the Civil War, but the house stood. And what the owner, Mary, did was she rose the yellow flag, which indicated to the armies that this was a hospital. And she had Union soldiers on the main floor and Confederate soldiers on the second floor. And after the war was over, they turned it into a home for soldiers that had no place to go. Uh, And then it was turned into an orphanage. Uh, It was given to the Salvation Army, and they used it as an orphanage. And then uh, I believe in the mid-90s, after the house had been shut down and boarded up, uh, a couple from Florida were driving through, and they fell in love with it, and they bought it and restored it to its Civil War period. But they'd always said it was haunted, and uh, the ghost of Mary is in there. And... (laughs) So that's, I don't want to give away the whole story, but this hockey hockey player ends up in that house and he meets her. It's a, it's a Christian love story. And I say Christian, it's not Bible thumping. It's morally good story. Okay. So I love that. It's a, it's a bestseller in the States. Um, 
It's been turned into a play uh, that sold out for the full four weeks it ran. It's been optioned three times as a, as a film. I've never been happy with the script, though. So it's just never gone any further. Okay. Maybe if you wrote the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not right now. No, no, of course not. But, uh, oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to see if I can get a copy of it because I'd love to read it. It just, I love ghost stories and, and especially when it's, it's not a, a like a horror story, but it's, it's, no. it's a ghost that, yeah. And I've been back there, oh, probably a dozen times when the, the book was turned into the play. They took the whole cast to the house to let them stay for a couple of days so that they could get a feel for the house. And so. Okay. I love that idea. Yeah. Really kind of immerse them into the idea that this ghost is actually real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And book number two was Telestia and you wrote a sequel to it, Second Chances. So brief synopsis of that. It's about a former FBI profiler who has become a pastor um, to try to seek the answers to life after his family has been killed by a serial killer. He gets called in to help a female detective investigate a series of murders that are going on. Again, like a, a moral story. But Tetelestia, it's Greek, uh, Latin, and Aramaic. It's the only word in those three languages that means the same thing, which is oh. what Christ said on the cross before he died. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. It means this is over. Something beautiful is starting. Mm. Back in the biblical days, the, the, the times before that, when you paid off your land, it was stamped with Testelestia, which means your debt has been paid. Now you can do something beautiful with this property. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's lovely. So it's a, it's a love story. You know, with both of these characters coming to terms with some things that have happened in their past. And then I was giving chapters to people to read as I was writing it. And they got so connected with the characters that I had no choice but to write a sequel to it, which is Second Chances. Um, and then there was interest to do that as a, as a TV show for a number of years in the States. And when the characters really speak to... Your audience, I mean, like you were saying, you, you had no choice. You had to write a sequel to it to maybe finalize what was happening with the characters. Mm -hmm. I, I still think of them. Really? Yeah, yeah. And do you think that you would want to continue writing about those characters or, or do you think their story is done? Their story is done. I'm using kind of a similar in another, it's a new one that I've been working on for the past couple of years which takes place in Winnipeg in 1940, uh, 1940, 1941. I might be a little strange as far as being a writer goes, but I, I don't start chapter one and work to the end. I'll, I'll take three or four. This one has been five years now. Um, and I have notebooks that I keep around and I'll write down scenes rather than start to finish. And when the time is right, when I feel it's ready to go, then I will just shut myself off from everything and just write. And then just power through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, every writer has their own way of doing things, you know, whether they start from start to finish, whether they haven't fully developed the character. But I like that you're in the moment. So when a scene comes or, or a character or something springs to mind, you want to write it down right away because then you might forget. Mm-hmm. 
but then you write it down and then maybe you leave it and then you come back to it. And then you might decide that you might want to change a few things or maybe fully develop whatever's going on. And so for you, the process works, whether it makes sense to anybody, but it doesn't matter because as long as it makes sense to you, then that that's... A reader expects a lot. You have really got to take them into the scene or into the room or uh, have them really feel for the character. And sometimes it's very difficult to do if you're not in that headspace. So um, uh, I can tell you kind of a funny story. When I was uh, uh, writing, uh, I think it was uh, Second Chances, there's a not passionate scene, but it's, it's, it's a scene where the characters, they don't say anything, but they, they both realize at the same time that there's something here. And she ends up falling asleep on on his shoulder, on his sailboat. Oh, and I had a sailboat at the time too, so I would sail it out there. So like I do the whole thing. Um, But I was dating somebody at the time. We had just been, it was like two weeks. And uh, she had asked me what I was going to do for the weekend. And I said, you know, I'm really, I want to stay home and write. And she said, well, why don't you come here? And I'll leave you alone. And I just, I, I didn't want to, but I did. So, and like the TV can be on. You can be playing music. That doesn't bother me. But don't ask me something because if I have to answer, I have to answer that by coming out of that scene or not being that character. But then she started asking, what do you want to eat? What do you want to watch? And so I put headphones on and was playing this song that I imagined was playing on the boat when this was happening with these two couples. And so I I got into this chapter and I'm writing and writing. And it's so touching that when I finished the chapter, I started crying and I took the headphones out and she asked me, what's wrong? And I, and I said, "I, I just finished this chapter. It's very passionate, touching chapter. And I kind of explained a little bit when she goes, well, that's like you and I, right? And I just, no, <laughs> that's so we didn't see each other. I didn't say no, but that's I wanted to say it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's hard to get into that. I know uh, when I was writing Lyle's book, it was the first book that I'd written when I was together with Lisa. And um, now Lyle's was a lot. It, it's a, it's a lot about sports, but there's also some personal stuff in it. Um, chapter 13 just tore my heart out writing it. But in order to write something that is going to touch somebody else, I have to go there. And that chapter took me probably about a week to write. And for that, and I had warned Lisa, I said, this is what's going to happen to me. Don't think it's us. But she really thought I was upset with her. And she thought there was something wrong with our relationship, but it wasn't. I was in this chapter trying to get it right. So it's sometimes it's best to just shut yourself off from everybody. So you're not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And you know, that's actually a really good segue into talking about the Lyle Bauer story. What doesn't kill you? Because for my listeners who may not know who Lyle Bauer uh, is, or he was so involved with the Winnipeg blue bombers. Um, he played for the bombers and he was also in management at, at one time, was he not? Mm-hmm. Uh, twice, on two different occasions. But Lyle was diagnosed with cancer. So what made you decide that that was the story you wanted to tell? 
was to talk about his story. What was it about him, perhaps, or his battle with cancer that gave you the idea that this is the book that I need to write? Uh, this is going to be a long one again. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I was in, in, in Dallas, I had an agent uh, that was hand, handling my literary stuff. He was in his 80s. So, and I didn't, I didn't know him that well. So for him to call me and say, I want you to come to my 85th birthday was kind of shocking. Um, but I, I decided I was, it, it, he was holding it at a very expensive steakhouse, which I knew I couldn't afford, but I, I went anyway. Um, and so when I got there, it was in this private room. The maitre d' led me to this private room in the back and there was five or six people there and there was five or six more. I think there was 13 or 14 of us at the end. But right away I knew nobody knows each other. What a strange birthday party to invite 13 different strangers <laughs> to this thing. And so John came in and everyone sat down at this long table and we ordered dinner and then he stood up and he said, I know none of you know each other. And that's why I brought you all here. I want you to stand up. I want you to tell us who you are, where you've been and who you are now. And Jenny, the stories were absolutely unbelievable. Um, there was a woman who was on the, uh, she as, as a 10 year old girl, was destined to be on the Russian uh, gymnastics team in Russia. And she was taken from her family and sent to a Russian training camp. Uh, and she never saw her family again, but she had been raped. She had been raped by her coach when she was 11 because she was pregnant. She was of no use to them anymore. So they just sent her off. She ended up having a daughter and worked her way through Russia and Ukraine to make enough money to come to the United States. And at that time now, at that time, she owned 10 Ukrainian restaurants throughout the South. Very successful. There was a, another woman. Uh, she had been on the Olympic equestrian team and on the Olympic tennis team. And she was a model. Uh, she was doing a, a, a modeling gig at a private home. And she had a stroke and fell down the stairs and was paralyzed. Um, ended up becoming Serena Williams' psychological training coach. It was all, there was a, a Clark who I ended up becoming quite close friends with, was a real estate developer in Texas. Very successful, um, but kind of got in with the wrong crowd. And there was some cocaine. Um and he ended up getting arrested and going to jail for 10 years. And he was now a pastor. Um, so it was all these, and for me, it was uh, the reason why John wanted me there was uh, because of what had happened with my son and, and his death and, and the fight with the city. And then, you know, kind of rising up and writing this book, Three Days with Mary, which was touching all of these people that had read it. And so... I wanted, I've always wanted to write a book called The Dinner. 
about stories like this and of, of inspirational stories of people that have come back from, from certain things using some of the ones from that night and some of the ones that I know of, but in a fictional way, not wanting to identify people. And Lyle was one of them. Um, the fact that three great cup rings playing for years, the most on the field, the most vicious man you could ever meet. But a heart of gold would do absolutely anything for anybody. And, and to, to go from, like you had mentioned management, um, he was the assistant general manager for a number of years. And then he was president. He's the one that saved the, that our football team. He ran that football team, the office of that football team on his own personal credit card for a long time because they didn't have money. Wow. And what he, what he created is now one of the, it's, it's the financial, uh, management plan for most of the teams in the CFL. And a lot of people didn't know that. And, and for the public to know that, I want to take you back to the day when he was diagnosed with stage four cancer and he's lying in bed that night and his children and a wife or his wife are sleeping. And he's thinking, what now? What's going to happen? That's the stuff. So I asked him if I could use his story in this book about the dinner. And he said, no, I want you to write my story. So that's, and him and Heidi had read some of my stuff before. So they knew what kind of a writer I was um, to be able to, to write some heartfelt words that will move people. Absolutely. And they could also trust you to tell his story that they knew that it was in good hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was an honor. Yeah, no, I I can imagine. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about <laughs> just just everything that you just shared. I mean, people coming back from adversity and you know, and the fact that the title of his book, you know, it doesn't kill you. In some ways, it's kind of a a double entendre in the in the sense that yes, cancer can kill you, but then when you're dealing with adversity and, and the stories that you told of of the people that were at that dinner, of what they were able to overcome, you know, it makes me think of, it's one of my favorite quotes actually by Nietzsche, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's an opportunity to overcome that adversity and to come back and live a better, a better life in a sense that you're in a position that you can deal with whatever life has, has given you and, and come back a lot stronger. And I see that, and I know that Lyle has, has definitely done that. Yeah, and and the work that his foundation has done, it's touched so many people. Yeah, you know, and let's talk about that Never Alone Foundation. I know that it's it's supporting people living with cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about how that is connected with you? It was through my friendship with uh, an old sky, high school friend. Uh, when I came back to Winnipeg, I contacted him. And turned out uh, um, he had been diagnosed with throat cancer. And uh, he was going through the treatments and he mentioned that he uh, he met Lyle at one of his treatments and they became friends because of that similarity. And Lyle had asked him to be on the board of directors. And then Tom introduced me to Lyle, even though I had met, I had known Lyle for years. We played hockey together uh, in an old timers league. And uh, so I kind of got involved with the Neverland Foundation that way, did some, some volunteer work with them and helped them with some marketing stuff and, I see the work that they're doing. I've lost uh, both parents, my uh, sister and my brother, just several months ago to, to mm, cancer. Sorry to hear that. So it's just, it's a horrible disease. Um, and 
the one thing I like about the Never Alone Foundation is that there's no policy manual. If you need it, they will get it for you. Um, and it's not just the people that actually uh, are struggling with cancer. It's their families and the support. Um, uh, you know, one of the stories that, uh, that uh, Michael tells is there was a fellow here who was, he was terminal. And his daughter and her husband lived in England. The daughter came here to help look after him. Uh, meanwhile, leaving her husband in England. And it was six months where she didn't see her husband. So the Neverloan Foundation flew her husband in for a weekend, hired a caregiver for the weekend to look after the father, and they got to spend the weekend at a hotel together. It's things that you would just never think of. Um, one, of the thing that, one of the things that shocked me, and I, I learned this from Lyle, uh, and he didn't have to go through this, but there was several other people that did. When you have throat cancer and you're going through radiation treatments, your teeth will fall out. Dental plans do not cover that. Mm. It doesn't matter what dental plan you are. It will not cover you to get a full set of teeth. So the Never Alone Foundation has worked with the Manitoba Dental Association to be able to create that for certain people so that they can get a full set of teeth and pay it off over time uh, uh, with their benefits plans. So imagine having to, having to go through, you've, you've beat cancer, but now you still have to eat your meals through a straw. It's just not fair. No, it's not. And you touched on something there, not just having to provide the care in terms of not just, you know, the dental, but also flying her husband in to spend some time with her that she desperately needed that connection. I mean, being a mm-hmm. 24-7 caregiver, I, you know, they can't be easy. And I know that people don't understand that there's a cost to cancer. There is, yeah. I think Michael said they took 170 people to the Moose game so that they could get away from, from that for a while. They'll pay utility bills. They'll pay for groceries. I don't know if you heard on the news about the fellow whose wife passed away waiting for, and they said that a private group hired a nurse for her. That was, that was Michael. That was the Neverland Foundation. They hired a nurse to come in and help. And I, I, I actually talked to Michael last, last week. And I think he said they're getting between 10 and 15 new clients every month. So, and it's all, it's all donations. So. That's incredible. I worked for the cancer society and their mandate is the, the errat or the mission I should say is the eradication of cancer and the support of for Manitobans living with cancer, but they don't cover the cost of living with cancer. So if you're diagnosed with cancer and you can't work, Who's going to pay the bills? And and sometimes, depending on the treatment, the medication isn't covered. And so you're paying out of pocket. And the fact that there's an organization such as Never, the Never Alone Foundation that can help people living with cancer to live with a sense of dignity and provide them with what they need to survive. Yeah. There's been uh, uh, several occasions where someone has had a a lengthy stay in the hospital and they're getting ready to release, to be released from the hospital to go home, but their utilities have been shut off because nobody's paid for them. The hospital won't let you go home if there's no water or electricity. So the Never Alone Foundation has covered some of that. That's amazing. So unless you go through it, you just don't know. You you don't realize that's going on. 
So no, definitely not. So that's that's amazing. Have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. And then your final book that continue with the sports theme is Birmingham Rifle, and that's about Dieter Brock. Now, Birmingham, is that because Dieter is from Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah. He also was a big part of the the bomber team. Yeah, yeah. Um, For a number of years, uh, left on kind of bad terms. It was, uh, I should never have written that book. One of the things I I said to, uh, to Lyle starting his was, you need to be honest with me. If I ask you a question, you need to tell me. If it's not something you want included in the story, if, if or if we don't think it's important, then I won't. But if it is, we got to put it in. And I said this, the same thing to Dieter and his people. But uh, he wasn't honest with me about several things. Um, and there was some stuff that came out after the book was done. So uh, I, I shouldn't have written that book. I mean, I, I did. I'm proud of what the story, what the book is, but it, it kind of put me off of writing for quite a while. Um, I've had several other sports people approach me to write their book, and I just, I, I'm going to stick with fiction. Yeah, stick with your own stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can make those up and have fun with them. So. <laughs> And you know they're coming from a, a place that you can trust, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. People ask me about how to write a story. Like everyone says, they're, they, you know, you need to write a book about me. Um, but one of the things I found really interesting uh, was you can put yourself in a lot of these characters. And you don't have to tell people it's you. But you can put yourself in these characters and you can work your way through situations. And it's almost like therapy to be able to do that. Um, and I had, I, it's another funny story. I, I had given a, a talk um, at, uh, at, a, at a group when I was in Dallas and I was talking about how to put yourself in a character and work your way through. And uh uh, several people bought three days with Mary and one of them contacted me. We ended up going out for dinner one night and the, the, the character, the, 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 the hockey player, he's an alcoholic and he's had affairs and, and, and we're sitting having dinner. And uh, she said, so how long have you had a drinking problem? I said, I don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> she said, well, what about the affairs you've had? I said, I've never had an affair. She goes, well, you said to put yourself in a character. And I said, I'm not him. I'm Mary. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the wolf. <laughs> You're the ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's right. Like, don't assume. <laughs> so that was, yeah. When she said, how long have you had a drinking problem? And I didn't know she had read the book. but so. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I can just imagine the look on your face when she's asking, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I love that story. So I want to circle back to coffee for a second. And I know that you have come up with a number of newer coffees that I haven't tried yet. And I definitely want to try the Lee Aaron one because I know that she is mainly known as the, as the rock in, you know, in, in terms of rock and, and so on. But I still have a jazz CD that she put out. Oh, yes. And uh, Slick, Slick Chick, right? And her voice on there. And when I listen to her do rock versus the jazz, it's still her voice, but it is so different. It's almost like she's like, I don't know which is the more authentic her, or maybe that's just a part of her that she thought that, okay, you know what, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll try it, but I like both, you know, but it's just, it, it's, it's hard to imagine that's the same person that is singing both the jazz and, and the bluesy kind of stuff. And then, you know, the heavy rock and whatnot, but uh, that's a coffee that I definitely want to try. Well, her guitar player, Sean Kelly, who I've got coffee with him, and he's actually written a book that's going to be coming out in May, uh, and we'll be launching another coffee in his name. I've gotten to know him. He's her guitar, but he's also the guitar player for Coney Hatch. No way. He's got the long hair, and the, the more you get to know him, he's written a Christian book. He teaches school. He te he's a teacher. He teaches elementary kids. Um, and right now he's performing in uh, the musical Rock of Ages. But he started his musical training. He, he went to college to learn music with classical guitar. He's got two classical guitar albums out. And to see him, I saw him when he was here uh, at the, uh, the last Lee Aaron concert a couple of weeks ago. He's up there just screaming away with this thing. You just never know. You just never know. And speaking about, you know, your books, you can't judge a book by its cover. You just don't know. And and maybe you don't need to know what's behind the, the persona, right? Because not everybody wants to know or is interested to know. They, I just want to listen to their music. I don't care about anything else. Or, yeah, maybe I really do want to dig deep and find out what's the backstory. Mm -hmm. what, what drives some of these people to do what they do and to go to such, you know, so, yeah, it's fascinating. It is. And, and it's obviously fulfilling some deep desire, some, some, you know, wish list or this bucket list or this, you know, before I die, I want to be able to do X, Y, Z. And then they go down, they go out and do it. It's amazing. You know what? It's all about having fun. It is. And um, speaking of your latest coffee venture, and I am so happy when you told me that you were doing this because, well, first of all, uh, I feel that I've got a connection there. And the fact that they asked you to do this is is like so special. So let's talk about your latest coffee creation. And that is the 92 City FM Coffee. And I'm so happy that you have created this coffee for them because I feel that I have a connection because Joe Aiello is my husband's cousin. So I've known Joe, oh, let's I see, I've been with Frank now 28 years. And so I've known Joe for 28 years and Kirby, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. is the one that got me started in the Coffee with Jenny B podcast. Yes, and she said when we were when we were you need to go on Jenny's podcast. Now she's been asking <laughs> me for. <laughs> I don't have a personal connection with Philly, except that I think he's awesome. You know, the three of them have such synergy. Their connection is just I lo- I love listening to them on on the radio. It's just amazing. And so now, did they ask you to create it, or did you think you know, hey, maybe I'd love to do that for them? I approached them about doing some kind of sponsorship. I mentioned previously my two of my biggest markets right now are Los Angeles and uh, Nashville and, and throughout the States. Shipping costs are killing us. The shipping coffee. Um, and I do have quite a few local people and I wanted more um, local. And so I figured it was time to do some maybe local advertising or sponsorship. And they were the, you know, 92 City FM. Uh, they were the, who else is? Perfect fit. <laughs> And I had known Joe from our involvement with the Never Alone Foundation. So I talked to uh, a couple of different people there about doing some sponsorship for the morning show, uh, which that starts on Monday. They're the ones that, you know, through through conversation said, you know, hey, can we do something, you know, our own coffee? Um, so, of course, yes. Um, so we, we did some, uh, some uh, tastings. Uh, they chose the coffee. And the proceeds from that are going to the Neverwell Foundation. Oh, um, I love that. One of the reasons why I wanted to do it was just to be able to support a charity. Um, and the other, you know, the musical coffees that, that we have, the royalties go to the individual um, or to some charity that they want to do. Um, Lee Aaron's coffee goes to the Neverwell Foundation. Um, I'm working on one right now that's going to a, a, a pet rescue in Los Angeles. Todd Kearns has, has worked with the Estevan Humane, Humane Society. So I want to keep that going. So, yeah, we all picked the Neverwell Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's that charitable uh, aspect to the coffee, that it's coffee, absolutely. But the fact that you're doing more than just providing coffee, you're, you're providing the, like you say, the, the money that is from the sale of the coffee and then supporting so many wonderful organizations and of course, you know, the never alone foundation now with the coffee, cause Joe doesn't drink coffee. So when they were doing the tasting, so I I'm it's Philly and, and Kirby, of course, that we're doing the tasting. Oh, and six other people from the office were in there. Oh, okay, so, <laughs> they, were, yeah. they, were, they just walked <laughs> right, in, they okay. smelled the, they smelled the coffee and said, what's going on? So they all came in. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to get everybody involved, but you also have a coffee liqueur that you've created and you have a funny story to tell about the, the coffee liqueur and, and Joe. So what, what happened there? Well, last year I got an email from from a fellow who wanted to know if I wanted to partner with him on doing a coffee liqueur using our coffee beans. And I really didn't think anything of it. I just ignored it. And then I got another email from him. So I said we would talk. And it turned out that uh, it's him and two other fellows from, uh, from Grandview, Manitoba, that have a vodka company. They started a vodka company in Grandview. And they wanted to do a coffee liqueur and they wanted to use my coffee beans. So we spent uh, about six months coming up with the recipe uh, and finally got it ready, uh, I guess, October, November of this year. Um, it, it outsold Kahlua over the Christmas season at the liquor stores in Manitoba. And restaurants and bars are ordering it for espresso martinis and different drinks that they're using. And... Uh, 
Joe owns Frankie's and Leon, who was one of the vodka guys, had dropped a bottle off to, to Frankie's for them to try. And I guess Joe didn't get it. And when I was at 92, this was before I had even talked to the three guys in the morning show. I, I brought a bottle and said to the station manager, can you put this on Joe's desk so, uh, so he can have that for the morning? And so when we did get into the room together, um, I asked Joe, I, I said, what did you think of the uh, coffee liqueur? And he just kind of looked at me like he had no idea what I was talking about. And Philly was sitting beside me. He said, uh, I, I took it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's friggin' awesome. I took it to Grand Forks with me and I was the favorite parent because everyone was coming to my room to drink it. So, <laughs> but, um, they're great to work with as far as the, the, the distillery and the coffee. And so, yeah, we're big plans for that in the next little while. Mm, I love that. Well, it's on, it's on my list to try because I love coffee liqueur and, you know, I've, I've always, you know, done the Tia Maria and the, and the Kahlua, but I'm definitely going to, uh, to try yours because, well, first of all, I love your coffee and yeah, I'm excited. So that's, that's on my list. It's been fun. I mean, and yeah, these guys are, they're great, a great group of guys. So it's corn vodka. So what, what's it called? Sorry. It's called, it's got corn vodka in it. Corn. Okay. Because vodka is usually made from potatoes. Yeah. So it's a lot smoother than potato vodka. Like I don't, I have never been a vodka drinker and I am now. So I'm trying to imagine how they would be able to distill it from corn, but I guess it's no different than potatoes. It's they've, they've obviously perfected the process. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then they use actual, the actual cold brew coffee. They do about 100, 150 pounds of coffee at a time. Um, they let it seat for, for uh, 24 hours. And uh, yeah, it tastes awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't wait to try it. Now what's next for you in terms of, I know that you've probably got a book or a story brewing uh, to use the coffee metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> And probably thinking of other coffees to create, and well, the, the two businesses, the the coffee and uh, and Radiance, they're they're keeping us pretty busy right now, and uh, we're having a blast with it. I love it. Um, so the writing, I'm just kind of putting it to the side. Um, I have started playing guitar quite a bit, um, so uh, just kind of hacking around with it in the basement when I get a chance. So between those two, that's just, I, I'm, I'm content. What more can you ask for? You're mm-hmm. content. You're happy with what you're doing and life is good. Yep. It's uh, like I said, I'm having the best time of my life. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I've learned actually quite a bit. And, and so I'm happy that you're able to come on and, and uh, share that with us. Oh, and it's my pleasure. It wasn't as hard as I thought. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's conversations over coffee. People say, oh, I don't know if I can talk to you. I can't do an interview. It's talking, you know, if we were sitting at a coffee shop, having your coffee and that actually, that just an idea just sprang to mind. Have you thought about featuring your coffee at different coffee shops? A lot of them are doing their own roasting or not a lot, but some of them are doing, they've got relationships with, with roasters already. There's enough business to go around. I don't want a coffee shop. I don't want to be tied down to 
bricks and mortar spot again. <laughs> uh, we're looking at a couple of retail locations. The 92 City FM Coffee is going to be available in a couple of spots. So we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, just one day at a time. Yep, one day at a time. Well, thank you so much, uh, Robert, for being here and sharing your stories and sharing a little bit about a history and, of course, about the coffee and about your latest venture with 92 City FN, which I think is amazing. And so I've learned a lot, and I know that my listeners are going to really love and appreciate hearing about you as well. Well, thank you. It's been a, been a pleasure. So until next time, think about what your story is. Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a deep desire to create something? Is there a passion that you want to follow? Think about listening to what Robert had to say about following his passion and just having fun with it. And if you would like to order coffee from Writers and Rockers, you can visit writersandrockerscoffeecompany.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a Cash Kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.